Lisa and I have a, a wonderful friend who, uh, and she's a pastor, and, and she always works in uh, some uh, aspect of the phrase, oh my soul. So we've just heard beautifully spoken the words in Psalm 146, and in verse 1, you have that wonderful line, uh, praise the Lord, oh my soul. And so our friend will say, if, if something uh, wonderful happens, oh my soul, that just brings joy to my soul. Or if something uh, difficult happens, what a burden I feel in my soul, she might say. Or when she experiences the blessings of God uh, flowing from Jesus' call to rest, she will say, oh, that brings rest to my soul. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. It's a way that phrase, oh, my soul, it's a way of speaking from the deepest part of who we are, the very depth of our being. When we speak of something thrilling our souls or challenging our souls or giving rest, God giving rest to our souls, we are speaking from the deepest and so this psalm begins, praise the Lord. By the way, as you heard Jay say, praise the Lord as he was walking away, were you a bit confused? Did you know if he was just all of a sudden speaking from the heart or if that was planned? That was a wonderful moment. And we then realized it was planned. But it was a, a word that comes, ought to come for us each Sunday as we worship from the depths of our being. And then as we saw last week from Psalm 113, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the Lord's name is to be praised. We praise God from the depths of our souls, the depths of our being, always. From the deepest part of who we are, we offer praise to God. Implied then, if we praise God from the deepest part of who we are, implied is a trust in the Lord. If with all that we are, the depths of our being, we are offering praise to God, then it means we are living for the Lord and relying on the Lord each moment of our lives. Which then sets up verse uh, 3 and verse 4 in the passage. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. It, it's this... It's this contrast. If we're praising the Lord from the very depths of our being, with all of our souls, then we're putting our deepest trust in God. And we do not put our deepest trust in princes, in rulers, in, in anyone. Doesn't mean we uh, cocoon ourselves away from the political system. It doesn't mean one can't be a faithful participant in the political system or a faithful leader. It simply means that ultimately, our trust as followers of Jesus is in the Lord and not in any one leader, one person, one institution. It is in our God who made all things. Uh, last weekend, uh, the Huntington High soccer team traveled all the way to Martinsburg for a game on Friday night and Saturday morning. Did you know it takes a long time to get to Martinsburg? <laughs> I didn't know that, but I experienced it for the first time. And so we played the first game on Friday night, and uh, we play a team that we should have beat, and we tie, and, uh, you know, I'm cranky, we're cranky, and uh, stay up too late, and uh, 
I, I wake up uh, long before anybody else woke up that day, and I wasn't really up that early. And, um, and so I'm cranky, and I'm sleepy, and I'm grumpy, and I go into the hotel uh, exercise place, and as I'm walking in preparing to exercise, you know, they always have the TVs on. Uh, in, in exercise room. Anybody ever just want to turn those things off when you do that? But anyway, so I'm, I'm walking in, and the very first thing on the TV news channel, it, it, it's a survey that someone has done uh, trying to determine the three, uh, three occupations in our nation right now that are the least trusted. The three uh, vocations where people trust the least. And you won't be surprised that uh, you know, like 81% just did not trust politicians in Washington. And so, you know, I'm grumpy as I hear this, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, can't trust. And then, like, 76%, next thing, they, they do it one at a time, 76% of the people in the survey do not trust corporate CEOs. I'm like, yeah, greedy folks, greedy folks. And then, and then comes the third one, 69% of those do not trust pastors. <laughs> And other religious leaders. And I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. How does this happen? How does this happen? Now, you wouldn't be in that 69%, would you? No, thank you. We let each other in. We are sinful human creatures. We let each other in. Which doesn't mean that we always distrust every person. And it doesn't mean that we don't strive to live in a trustworthy manner. But it does mean that ultimately our trust is in the Lord. We will consistently let each other down. And so we learn to forgive one another and hold each other accountable. But God will always be faithful. And so the psalmist says... Don't put your trust in princes. Instead, put your trust in the Lord, he is saying. Verse 5, why do we do this? Happy are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. And why does our, our hope, our deepest help, is, is not in some leader, whether it's a pastor or business leader or politician or elected official. Our biggest help comes from the Lord and through his people, as we work together, as he works through us. And our biggest hope, our deepest hope, is in God. And so as we read these words, as we hear these words echoing through our beautiful chapel on this day, we ask ourselves, do we truly turn to the Lord as our help? Is our deepest hope in the depths of our souls, in the depths of our being, do we have a sense of hope in God? Whatever happens in the world around us, whatever happens in our own lives, is our hope anchored in the Lord, who, verse 6 says, made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. And who came among us in the person of Jesus Christ and lived and died and was raised for our sins, for our lives, for our ability through the Holy Spirit to not only live the way we were made to live, but to live for God and his purposes to further them in the 
world. Our help indeed is in the Lord, who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. I believe one of the ways in which we are able to consistently live the truth of this phrase that calls us to place our help and our hope in God is found in one phrase in verse 6. Verse 6 says, God created everything, heaven, earth, sea, verse 6, and all that is in them, all that is in the heaven, the earth, and the sea, all that is in them, meaning you and me. We are creatures created, made by God, which means as creatures, we are dependent on our creator. We have much to do. We have much that we can control. We can control how we act, how we work, usually, most of the time. We have responsibilities that we must fulfill. And yet, ultimately, our well-being, our being in and of itself, depends every moment on the one who made all things and who sustains all things, and in Jesus Christ who rules over all things. And yet, it is very easy for us each and every day to lose sight of our creatureliness. To think that we can be self-sufficient, that we can control our lives, that we can make it on our own. And to the extent that we lose sight of our creatureliness, we place our help and our hope in others, most often even in ourselves. To remember that we are creatures dependent upon God is then to be able to live a life where our help truly is from the Lord and our hope truly is rooted in God. It's interesting, the psalmist uh, praises the Lord, uh, advises us, urges us not to put our trust in princes, calls us to place our help and hope in the Lord who made heaven and earth, the first six verses, and then the rest of the psalm, especially verses 7 through 9, the psalmist speaks of how God cares for those who are in need, cares for those who struggle. Look at the list. Those who are oppressed, God executes justice for them, verse 7. The hungry, God gives food. Sets the prisoners free, verse 8. Opens the eyes of the blind, lifts up those who are bowed down. Loves the righteous, watches over the stranger, verse 9. Upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. It's a picture of God's uh, active service. Bev, uh, you in your prayers spoke of God being an active God on behalf of those who suffer. Now we can look at this and should look at this in both literally physical ways and also spiritual ways. From the spiritual standpoint, all of us, through our own sin and the sins of others upon us, are hungry and oppressed at times. We're imprisoned by various spiritual things. We, we are blind in so many ways, bowed down many times, and through Jesus Christ and His forgiveness and His grace, the Lord sets us free. And so as His followers, we are called to give witness to the love of Jesus, to invite others to follow Him with us so that they can experience this freedom from whatever it is that imprisons them. But then, in a very literal way, there are those who are physically hungry, physically uh, suffering, physically blind, physically bowed down, pressed down. And if God, the one who made all things, if God functions in the creation that he has made, we as God's creatures are called as well 
walk with those who suffer, to walk with the stranger, to bless the hungry, to be the vessels through which God lives out this beautiful calling of verses 7 through 9. And yet, and yet, as we think of the spiritual need in our own lives, as we think of the spiritual and physical needs of the world, it is overwhelming. How can we even begin to make a dent? How can we be used of God to make a difference in this world? Can God, does God really want to fully release us from all that holds us back spiritually as individuals? How do we live out verses 7 through 9 in the midst of overwhelming need in the world and overwhelming struggle in our own lives? We go back to verse 5. We put our hope in the Lord our God. For our hope, your hope, my hope, in becoming the person that God has made us to be, our hope cannot be, excuse me, cannot be in our own effort, in our own voices. <coughs> it cannot be that. Because no matter how disciplined we become, no matter how hard we work, we cannot make ourselves more like Jesus. We participate. We have a part to play. We have a responsibility to be obedient. But when we do our part, that only puts us in the place for God to do his part through the Spirit, to mold and shape our lives and our hearts and our church so that we reflect the life and love of Jesus Christ. We cannot set ourselves free from whatever it is that holds us back from fully being the people that God made us to be. Only the one who made the heavens and the earth the one who loves us through Jesus Christ, the one who is our hope, can set us free. And we cannot make the kind of difference, the kind of witness, the kind of blessing in the world of hunger and pain and spiritual darkness that we're called to make in our own strength. Only God can do that. And when our hope is in God's ability to do these things, then we can do our small part of participation, realizing that as overwhelming as it feels, it's not all up to us. The one who made heaven and earth, the one who made us, us creatures and our creatureliness by spirit can be used of God to make a difference in the world. But only when our hope is in God and not in ourselves. So it's football season. Many of you... Uh, Maybe football fans, many of you are not, but it's a huge part of, of our culture. Most of us kind of know our way around the game of football. In the pros uh, this year, several interesting storylines have taken place. One is the transition for the New York Giants from quarterback Eli Manning to quarterback Daniel Jones. Eli Manning is a legend. He's been around for, seems like 30 years, not quite that long, but he's had success. But he's at the end of his career, and he's not able to do or to lead the team to victory like he once was. And so last week, after the Giants lost their first two games, they made a switch of the quarterback to a young rookie named Daniel Jones. And he thrilled the nation, and he thrilled the fans, and he led his team to victory. And who knows if he'll be able to sustain it, but it was an exciting thing for him and for his team. I was listening to one of the commentators about this, and here's what he said. He said, you know, the team respects and loves Eli Manning and is grateful for all that he's done over the years. 
but his teammates now, through the new quarterback, have hope. That's the word he used. They have hope that they can win. Love the old quarterback. Hope in the new one that victory is a possibility. I want to suggest that it's hope that energizes us. It's hope that's going to energize this football team today. Hope in a new leader who will help them win. But for us as followers of Jesus, the hope that we have, that it is God who lifts us up and God who lifts the world up, it is that hope in the midst of overwhelming evidence to the contrary, it is that hope that energizes us and that causes us to deeply believe that through the Spirit, we, each of us, through the course of our lives, can become more like Jesus. We can become all He wants us to be. And we, as His followers, can give witness to His love. And we can further the kingdom of God in this life. Because our hope gives us energy. Hope is not passive. Hope is not a passive waiting. Well, one day God's going to make everything work out, and we'll just sit around and gather and worship and live our lives as best we can until then. No. Hope is active. Hope trusts that the one in whom we hope wants to work through us. And knowing that it's not dependent upon us energizes us to do the work we've been called to do and to be the people we've been called to be. Well, I'm hoping that we will work against the grain and that uh, far more than far less than 69% of us will not trust their passion. <laughs> That's just my hope. But my biggest hope is that we as a congregation can be, it can be said of us that we are a people whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord our God, who made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in it, who keeps faith forever. So we sing of this faith and this trust. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. <clears throat> As always, altar is open for those who have shared decisions, for those who have come forward to pray, for those who have professed faith in Jesus for the first time, or who as followers of Jesus.